Hi, welcome to Pinecones and Moonstones, where science, witchcraft, and history combine. I'm Cassie. And I'm Desiree. And this week we are doing a new thing we're calling Deities of the Month, because trying to explain how people work with deities in general is huge, and we figured it'd be easier to take, like, one god and one goddess at a time and just do an in-depth like who are they and how you can work with them or how people do work with them that kind of a thing so we have a couple of updates first um we got some feedback that we are like lumping all of the wicca paths together or that we don't talk about them enough. And so we kind of wanted to address that because with the first episode, we tried to make it really clear that, like, neither of us does Wicca. And there's so many resources for that that we don't really intend to talk much about it. Trying to be more accessible and practical about things and more, like, low magic instead of high magic, I think is the right term. But we are sorry if it made it seem like we were lumping everyone together. It's more like any path of Wicca is not something that either of us practices. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I would also say that we are trying to avoid the sort of strict high ritual magic in religions where they create a sort of hierarchy or you have to be initiated to gain any sort of knowledge because uh, most of those groups and areas seem to set themselves up for predatory behavior, which if you've listened to earlier episodes, we're not all about that. Um, so uh, unless it's a big request, I, I don't really foresee us doing too much that lines up with Wicca. I have plenty of friends who are Wiccan, and I enjoy the things that they do. Sometimes I'll utilize things that I learned in that form of the craft, but it's not something that I practice, and it's not something that Cassie practices. So probably on that end, you won't hear a lot from us. If you need resources and are interested in learning Wicca, Um, and don't feel comfortable trying to be initiated into a group or whatever, there's a ton of resources online and literally hundreds of other podcasts on the same thing. Mm -hmm. So please, if you can even email me and I'll point you in some other directions, but uh, we're probably not going to be the best source of information that you would like to hear on Wicca itself. Yeah, and like for me, it's, it's any kind of super ritualized thing is way too much like church. So it's it's not really ever a thing for me. So I probably sound more hostile towards it than I actually am. It's just like it's it has no interest. I don't really believe in any of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't mean to make it sound like it's a problem. It's just like it's not my thing. If it's your thing, it's fine, but it's not mine. <laughs> well, it's for the same reason you probably won't hear us uh, doing a super deep dive on Scientology and clearing yourself because it's not something that uh, either of us practice and there is a lot of problematic behavior within that and Cassie and my goal, I believe, is to try to make things open and easy and Anybody can do this on a simple scale without a lot of initiation or struggling to find people who want to tell you what they know. You know, there's tons mm-hmm. of books and resources. Well, I, I will say that I do appreciate the community that you will find a lot in um, people who follow certain strict branches of Wicca or even those who don't is Wicca has been very good about building a community, which I think is great. But when 
it's it's the other stuff that sort of comes with any super structuralized religion that you know you have to be initiated and you have to go through degrees Mm -hmm. it sort of sets it up for um like i said earlier predatory behavior and a simple google search can delve real deep into all that so you probably won't hear too much of it on our end unless it's a request which uh so far we have not had too many so that's yeah and um I have a friend who is actually the victim of some of what Desiree is describing, and she's done a really awesome blog post and video about what happened. So if you want a specific resource to find out just how predatory and problematic practicing in communities like that can be, check out speakingofwitch.com. It's her blog. She does a really good explanation of like just how bad that can turn without people realizing it. So we also have some <laughs> shout outs. The first one is we did a promo trade. So if you heard about us on Wildly Tarot, hello, welcome. Um, they are a tarot podcast and they go really in depth on tarot methods, the background of it, how to do it, different cards and like meanings. And they have a ton of episodes, so if you're someone like me who likes to binge, you can catch up on theirs, which is kind of fun. I'm all about and the we will binge. be Yes. Um <laughs> we'll be tagging them in our social media too so you guys can find them, but they are on iTunes, so that's our our biggest bunch of listeners, so if you guys want to search for them and go ahead and subscribe and give them some love, that would be awesome. And that's called the Wildly Tarot Podcast? Yep. Okay. I got it right. Yay! <laughs> uh, okay, and then the next shout-out would be both of my darling children, specifically my youngest, Marley, who has listened avidly to all of our episodes and provided uh, really meaningful feedback about how often I should be mentioning her name in this show so marley i love you you're great here's your shout out and layla also though i I think she might be too cool to listen to her mom's podcast so there you go um we also have a bunch of ratings and reviews popping up on our social media and um the podcast apps we're on so we want to thank everybody who's done that already and we got stickers so if you send us a screenshot of your review we're not going to do just ratings you have to actually write the review or like a facebook recommendation which is what a couple people have done um and your address then we will mail you a sticker and they look pretty cool too and then everyone who uh screenshots us their rating and their address so that we can send them a sticker will also be entered into a giveaway for a t-shirt that will happen sometime in may so uh, keep Yay, that in shirts. mind also. T-shirts and stickers <laughs> can be had. So, And thank you to everybody who's actually listening and giving us reviews. That's really awesome. Yes, you help so much. Somehow we have almost 700 downloads so far. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, we're not sure how people are this into it, but we're definitely glad that you are. It's just Marley um, downloading it over and over again. Listening. <laughs> like... I've listened this many times. You have to talk about exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this month, our deities of the month are probably the two most famous ones uh, from Ireland. So we're going to be talking about the Dogda and the Morrigan. We're also going to pronounce them in real different ways. Neither of us. We're both Americans from two very different regions. I can read some Gaelic if I need to find town signs uh, from my six weeks in Ireland, but. 
I don't speak it, but my professor, which is how I learned about most of this stuff in the beginning, does speak many types of Gaelic. So I go with the way he said it. It's all the same person. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Uh, so the, I know you have more of a historical background on these two. I've, I've read some of the stories from either of them, less about the, dag, the Dagda than I have about the Morgan. But are those the... Those are the two that were happy with the hookup, yes, those two. Yeah, okay. yeah, um, yeah, there's no fins right now. Got it. <laughs> or, uh, what is it, Dermot, Dermot and Grania, there's no Dermots in his love spot. Um, so, yeah, the, she's, like, his consort, so they don't ever, most Irish gods and goddesses don't really get married. Yeah, um, why would you? <laughs> it's more like the people in the stories getting married. Because, I mean, you have Deirdre and the Sorrows, then you have, like, Cucullin and Emer. But they they just usually, essentially it gets translated as his consort. So it's kind of like his, I guess, common-law wife would be the good explanation. Because they're always together, but she does also get into some other dudes. I have I mean, not seen many stories where he is into anyone else, because I think he's just... Super into getting drunk and beating the shit out of people. But <laughs> He's got priorities. I don't blame him there. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of these tales are, well, in Irish history and mythology, there's these five invasions. The first one is really weird. It's like Noah's granddaughter was mad that she wasn't on the ark and her husband got turned into a salmon and that's how they got there for one of the invasions. Like... They get translated by the Roman Catholic Church real weird, and the British, and it's it's kind of a mess. But in the original Gaelic for, like, the Toyn and the invasions and, like, Cucullin's death tale, they're all about, for the for these gods, they're all about the Tuatha Dé Danann, which a lot of people equate with the fairies. Um, and many of these gods and goddesses are outright called fairies in the literature. And then... They're fighting the Furbolgs and the Fomorians and trying to kind of take over. Um, if you have heard the word Fomorian before and you're not sure where, uh, if you're one of my wrestling podcast listeners who is being nice and supporting us over here, uh, Finn Balor is a Fomorian. For those of you who have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, uh, there's a wrestler from Ireland uh, named Finn Balor. And he dresses up like a demon. Finn is the man, Balor is the demon, and he's a Fomorian demon. And his body paint is amazing. He did look um, pretty cool. Yeah, he he does different ones. So, like, when they did NXT TakeOver London, he dressed up as Jack the Ripper <laughs> with the body paint underneath. Like, so he had the, the coat and the big hat and uh -huh. the Victorian dress. He's done Venom and a bunch of other comic book characters. My favorite is the one from SummerSlam last year where it just looks like he has a giant mouth ripping his body apart. And the tongue wraps all the way around, and then it's like his face is all painted. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, Valor is a Fomorian. Lou is a Fomorian. Um, he was, st like, put into the Tuatha Day pantheon, but he actually starts out earlier than we have any records for them. Um, hmm. Yeah, and they're also, a, like, the stereotypical idea of what an Irish person looks like. So, like, the fair hair, the green or light-colored eyes, that kind of thing, are what the Tuatha Day are. So, like, Tolkien fairies, red hair, blonde hair, light-colored eyes, that kind of thing. Um, usually when we find their skeletons and DNA test it, like, that's what the highest probability comes back as, that kind of thing. So, yeah, they're fun. And they get carried through a lot into 
modern spirituality practices, which I find interesting. But they get convoluted a little bit, which we'll talk about. And I'll make people mad, and it'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure how fun that is anymore. One of the things we also wanted to do a heads up about before we get super in-depth about their background is um, if we've ever worked with either of them, and I think the answer is the same for both of us, which would be the Morrigan, but not the... I haven't tried to do anything with the dog guy. I just think he's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually don't... Nor- There's very few gods that I choose to work with the energy just because I I tend to be more of a masculine person. I don't have a problem uh, with the masculine traits. For a long time, I had a problem with the more feminine traits. So I always try to embrace uh, the feminine energy as much as possible. But occasionally, normally in the summertime, I will uh, pick a god and sort of work with them. Uh, the Morrigan, and I, like you you said, um, the candle. I had a candle in my shop for a while, which currently isn't there, but that's the way that I've worked with her. It she was. <laughs> it is one, yeah, that one's one of my favorite smells to make, and I say that every time. I say that about all of them, but it really is. I think that uh, one is my favorite, and then... Mark's new favorite is Bitchcraft, but his other favorite was Fuck It. <laughs> so if you just want candles with really badass names, check out Desiree's shop. Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't even understand how your husband's nose works. I don't either, because he didn't he like... Should, <laughs> he should not like one if he likes the other. It doesn't he make didn't like Stay Out of the Forest, but he likes Bitchcraft, which doesn't make any sense, because they're both really, like, woodsy smells. Well, Dragon's Blood is a very, like, woo-woo scent. You will know that smell anywhere. You walk into a, you know, a witchcraft shop anywhere, a spiritual shop, you immediately can pick out the Nog Champa and the Dragon's Blood. So, to me, it's very familiar, and I didn't think a lot of people were going to care for it, but uh, apparently... I guess some people do. I don't know. I That's like just it. weird because you've got you've got the high end, the lemon, the verbena with a little bit of the teakwood, and then you've got all the way on the other end the dragon's blood. And he doesn't like anything in the middle. It's just like he like likes the uh, it's on bitches, and he liked the huckleberry. He didn't like the one I thought he would like, which was the mojito. Oh really? He still <laughs> he just texted me. He said, I still want a honey bunches of oats candle. <laughs> oh, that's right. I was thinking about that last night. You had asked me to make. Uh, yeah. Okay. I remember now. <laughs> I'm working on it. Tell him I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to the point. Uh, so yes, I have a candle. For working with the Morgan and I primarily after some meditations and having to work with her myself um, sort of picked the words that I think fit her the best which would be any sort of work with uh, boundaries victory where you really need not just like a succeeding in your goal but like a blow them away victory because uh, she's not subtle and then uh one thing I'm not sure I've mentioned before would be breaking ties or cord cutting sort of breaking yourself from a negative person or situation. That's what I used it for, and it worked well. Yeah. There's <laughs> no... I, I find with her kind of energy, there's no in-between. There's no uh, waffling. It's either a very solid yes or no. Very clear-cut boundary work uh, that comes with her. So I enjoy... If you really need a kick in the pants, that's kind of what uh, her energy is, in my opinion. Yeah, for me, it's also... I feel like she's... She's very supportive in a way that people, I think, don't necessarily associate battle goddesses with. 
Um, but it's very I, much I think like, supportive may not be the right word because she's not like, oh, it's gonna be no. Okay. It's more like if she's you like, need get backup, off your ass and let's do this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more like if if you need somebody in your corner who's gonna fuck some shit up, she's mm-hmm. got you. She's like she's like the Dominic Toretto of the Irish Gods from Fast the and what? Furious. Uh, Vin Diesel's character in Fast and Furious, where he just... I was just, gonna say, I haven't seen those. No! Okay. Uh, They're so bad, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I love Vin Diesel, but I can't do it. Well, it's, it's basically so his terrible. character is like, if you fuck with his family, he will... You're, you're dead. <laughs> right, I can get behind that. Yeah, so it, she's kind of like that, like... You don't want to ask her to be in your corner unless you really... Yeah. Need it. <laughs> kind of like the cord cutting. It's like, it needs to be someone you're never going to talk to again. Right. It's pretty <laughs> dramatic. I would say it's it's a very dramatic energy to work with. Yeah. And she's so. also she's also pretty good for justice kind of things, too. Which yes. Which is, is a boundary thing, but it's, it's also kind of a support. Like, you have some big, like, big dick energy in your... <laughs> In your corner. That's good. I'm going to add that word on there. <laughs> Big dick energy. Yeah. I like she's, she's just, like, if I think of her, I think of Boudica as the synonym oh, yeah. for British, okay. like, history. Like, badass woman who is not taking your shit. Yeah. And will also cut your head off if you back sass. A little crazy. A little crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah. yeah, so she's awesome. And then the Dogda is, like everybody's dad essentially he's the he's the father figure for celtic pantheon stuff um he also has a magic cauldron kind of like caridwin's cauldron it just fills up with beer he steals it from a giant that's a really fun story if you hadn't heard that one uh i bet he had a great mustache yeah he's he's depicted as like a giant like he's he's basically Hagrid sized while everyone else is like people sized. Oh, awesome. Like all the other gods are like people sized and the dog mm-hmm. does like huge. And he just like one of the stories about him is he got mad at somebody talking to him and he just set his fist down and they got squished. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's really fun. Um, but one of the one of the technically is a story about Lou, but uh one of the battle stories from the invasions book is like he walks to he wants to have a big beer cauldron and he walks to the river and the morrigan is washing clothes which is bad the morrigan is associated with fords and creeks and like small bodies of flowing water and if you see her you're going to battle one day you got your armor and your sword and shit and you're walking around and you see a woman washing bloody battle clothes in the ford then she looks up and it's like oh shit that's what i'm wearing you you're dead um, you're not going home after the fight is kind of how she appears for people. But it's also kind of like, a you're dying valiantly. Someone's there to take care of you. She's washing your clothes because she's going to give them back to your family and she's taking care of your soul afterwards. Kind of like a Valkyrie. Right. She does a little bit more than the Valkyrie do, but, um, it's kind of like that idea for people who haven't heard of her before. So he sees her washing clothes and she looks at him and she's like, don't worry, these aren't yours, you're fine. And he's like... (laughs) I'm really hungry. I need I need some food. So she um, catches every salmon in the river, and they dig a big pit and um, cook them all. And then he fills the pit with his magic mead, and they all get rip-roaring drunk right before the, the battle, which 
it doesn't work the way you think it would for Irish mythology. If you get rip-roaring drunk, shit's about to go down, and you're gonna murder a lot of people. Because it's more like an energy drink. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it, like, hypes you up for some reason, which I have <laughs> drinking copious amounts of mead. It does not do that for me. And I am Irish, so I'm just missing uh, something. You're but... missing that one <laughs> ingredient in there. I'm missing being a Bronze Age Irish person. I'm way too many go. thousands of years late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they appear in the... Um, the invasions, the Morrigan appears in a lot of Cuchulain uh, or Cuchulain stories, especially his death tale. She kind of sets his taboo breaking in motion. And she's also in a lot of the Ulster Cycle. They're kind of asking her to be their backup, which the Ulster Cycle is a bunch of tales about the Ulstermen in Northern Ireland, um, which is today the country northern ireland part of the uk and connacht which is southwestern so if you've heard of galway that's where connacht is galway Mm. westport um that kind of southwestern um area because there's five original provinces no one really knows where the fifth one is or if it existed history is fun um (laughs) it's mave and a lil which mave is the queen of connacht and she the whole story of the Toyn, which is like the big battle epic of Ireland, is that the Ulstermen wanted a bull, so they attack Maven Alil and steal their bull. Because it, it's a magic bull who used to be a human, oh, okay. and it got turned into a bull, and then the bulls die and they get turned into birds. It's like, everyone turns into everything. It's fun. <laughs> and the Dogda has his story about stealing the cauldron. He's in a bunch of random things but he's always kind of the one that you go to if you need like advice like a dad um, okay and he also i think he does something with crops he's yeah i've seen that he's the god of time and magic and the protector of crops so he does sort of have that dad energy yeah I he's like he's also supposed to be the first druid because he has his oh, magic really? cauldron mm-hmm um, so he's also fertility, which is why the Dogda and the Morrigan get together. Yeah, Because it's like... Uh, that's the only part of the story I remember is that she was supposedly so pleased with the results of their little situation that she just kept coming back. Yeah, so. essentially. And it's also that, like, <clears throat> the Morrigan is one of the few women in mythology who get to decide their own kind of thing and no one tries to fuck with them. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people might be screaming Diana at me, but you should read some Ovid, because people try to fuck with her a lot. <laughs> That's why she kills them. Yeah, exactly. But the Morrigan is so terrifying that no one even tries. Mm-hmm. They just kind of go with it. She tries to do some things to humans, but uh, it's very blatant in most of the Irish tales if it is willing or not, or if it's the result of... Like, someone having a love spot, which is, like, a birthmark on your forehead that if anyone sees it, they immediately fall in love with you, hopelessly and irreversibly. (laughs) So it's not even like you're doing it on purpose. And then there are the stories where it's like, you are doing this on purpose. It usually happens with the lovesickness and the fairies coming to try and steal you away, whether you're a man Mm. or a woman. Then the human gets sick, and there's a whole bunch of Kukulin stories about that one. Um... But he's supposed to be a giant, large, bearded man who wears a hood. He has, um, they call it a magic staff a lot of times, but the the traditional depictions 
Um, and the descriptions in the in the invasions are it's like a giant club like the troll has in Harry Potter. Like oh. it's it's a magic club, but also he beats people over the head with it. Um <laughs> And he has um, the it's magic... practical as well. Yeah, his magic cauldron that's never empty. He has a magic harp that controls men's emotions and changes the seasons. Um, he lives in Brunaboyne, which is thought to be Newgrange, which is like a... It's actually an archaeological site that you can visit in Ireland, which is really fucking cool. Um, but sometimes he's in Logney also. And he shows up in a lot of place names. Some of his other... Like, if anything... Um, has a Derg in the name. It's usually because it's named after him. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. He has two brothers also, which we may end up talking about later, which are Nuada and Agma, and a lot of modern paganism lumps them together as a triple god kind of thing. I don't know why that keeps happening to everyone, because they're very separate dudes who do very separate things and have their own tales and stuff, but people, I think my... Best explanation for it as an anthropologist is that the reason we have these stories written down is because a medieval monk wrote them down. And they're all about that trinity. Well, yeah, because they're all oral traditions. And also, Mm. the monks didn't speak Gaelic. So you're translating Mm. the Gaelic into probably English and then into Latin. So there's a lot lost in understanding and also trying to be like, I'm a monk. I cannot write down this pagan story right. like this. Um, I had to change it to make it at least morally acceptable. Well, yeah, because they they <clears throat> could get in serious amounts of trouble with the Pope. And if anyone learned anything from the Inquisition, you don't want to get in serious amounts of trouble with the Pope. Um, I don't. <laughs> some people think that it's a proto-Celtic word because there are gods in, like... Welsh mythology and Pictish mythology and in um, early British Celt that also have similar letters because obviously Dogda is in English Latin letters, not in Celtic runes or Ogham or anything like that. So it's not super clear, but usually the Dogda in this form is attributed to Ireland and there's a couple other similar guys that show up in the the Mabinogian pantheon and some stuff like that. Um, he might be the giant from Colic and Olwen in the Mabinogian is a idea. Hmm. Which is not great because that means they cut his throat with a razor. If you've not read Colic and Olwen and you decide to Google this because I'm talking about it, there's a sentence that you're going to hate me for. Because the way this book works is Arthur's cousin Colic who's a Welsh cousin of King Arthur, wants to marry the giant's most beautiful daughter in the world, and her name is Olwen. And I cannot pronounce the giant's name, and I'm not going to attempt to butcher it, because <laughs> But it's essentially, he gives him 33 impossible tasks, and he describes each task in detail. And 33 times, Colic goes, it will be easy for me to compass this, though you may think it not be. So you're going to have to read that <laughs> 33 times. <laughs> So just, you know, look up a look up a summary. <laughs> unless you really want to... Cliff Notes version. Yeah, unless you really want to hoof it through the Mabinogian, which is worth it, but, uh, I mean, if I hadn't read that story for a class, I would have given it up. Yeah, so they appear in the in the Ulster Cycle, the Tuatha Dé Danann stories. Um, the Dagda's also a figure that they 
petition kind of in Deirdre and the Sorrows and they they get re-referenced later in other like the Finn cycle which is Finn Bacool and um because Mm -hmm. they go to the fairy realm a lot and so the fairies are still worshiping the Tuatha Dei gods because essentially they turn into the fairies also fairy forts are ring forts and it's because during the Bronze Age everyone was fighting everyone um, and you could hide under the hill, and then if somebody walked up your wall, you shove a, uh, oh. spear up them. Yeah. Ow. Yeah, we, they have some bog bodies with the spears in them. Um, Aww. yeah, and the peat bogs, they used to sacrifice people, and it could also be, like, a severe crime punishment, like, mur- like, if you murder someone, they might throw you in a bog alive. And they have one of the bodies on display in Dublin, but his, they didn't have the preservation technology to save him so his body is not there anymore but his head is still there he still has hair and like a (laughs) he still has red hair and he still had um his like necklaces and stuff on it's really cool um a lot of them still have hair so if you're not skeeved out by dead bodies they have (laughs) pictures of them online it's really cool um i'm gonna check that out i fell in a bog during field school it's not fun you didn't die. That's good. No, I I only fell in up to, like, my thighs, but one of the girls was shorter than me, and she was in up to her chin, and we had to, like, pull her out. Oh. Because we had to walk scary. across one to get back to the beach, um, and we were not close enough to the edge for it to not be as muddy, and mm. you just slip in. Like, there's no... It's like Indiana Jones and quicksand. It's like you take a step, and all of a sudden, you're in the ground. You should do a reenactment of Indiana Jones. I think that'd be a fun movie. Uh, it wouldn't last half as long because I can shoot <laughs> and aim. <laughs> oh. That's what I tell all Mark's coworkers whenever he tells them I'm an archaeologist. They're like, oh, like Indiana Jones? And my response is, no, I have better aim. <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, not scared of snakes. No, I'm terrified of snakes. I fucking hate them. Oh, man, come uh, on. No, I hate snakes. Uh, if if a snake appears in the field because I am in their house, if it's not poisonous, it gets passed. If it's poisonous, it meets my shovel. Because I'm Ew. not going to get bit. I'm standing there <laughs> digging a hole. Like... He just wants to see what you're doing. No, one person found an entire um, nest of water moccasins one time. Oh, no. And, that sounds scary. like, where we were, we did not have enough time to get them out if they had gotten bit. So they just oh. chopped them all up. Um, <laughs> you guys are brutal. It's, I mean, it's them or me. No, I mean, with reason. You have, yeah, 15 minutes. And we didn't know that they were going to be out yet because they shouldn't have been. It was, like, three months too early. But global warming is a thing, so. <laughs> so, the the doctor gets linked as a triplicate, and then so does the Morrigan. For some reason, people want to make her Bab, Maka, and Anon, because there are some stories where she shapeshifts into them to kind of get back at them and their husbands. Um, mm-hmm. But they are the three daughters of Ernmas, which people seem to think is Ireland itself, but... It doesn't work that way because if you've heard the era word for Ireland, like the Gaelic word for Ireland, that's the goddess that Ireland is supposed to be. And the Morrigan is her sister. Mm. Um, Maybe that's why they lump them together because they're sisters, right? Yeah, well, because Ernmoss is a dude. At oh. least the way I learned it. I mean, if, if people think that it's a she... I would be interested to see what the actual sources on that are. But essentially, like, it's because Bab is the crow, and then Mach is the 
the war goddess and Anon is um, like the fertility cattle and war option. Mm-hmm. But they all three have shown up with the Morrigan in the giant battle where Lou gets his overhand. So I have problems with that, and most academic sources have problems with that. And it's, again, chalked up to, like, the missing translation link there, where if you're a monk who's trying to write something down, everything needs to be a trinity. Because it also happens in other pantheons where mm-hmm. Catholicism takes over. Uh, the Hecate is the one that comes to mind first. Is, but, but I think that um, there are some aspects of her actually being triple, so it's hard to... It depends on which stories you read. Yeah, exactly. And it, it also depends on what translation they're using because a lot of the books are based on translations of the Gaelic. So it's like if you pick up a translation where someone fucked up, you're going to fuck up mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So that's how a lot of it, I think, gets like put through. Like one of these websites I pulled up is talking about Kukulin still being a boy when he meets the Morrigan and... Uh, dies, but he's, like, already had a kid and is married to Emer and already had one fairy wife fiasco happen. So, it's, it's who, which sources you use with mythology in general are going to be a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. especially, like, when people want to do Roman myths and then they only want to use Ovid, who is doing something very purposeful with his, um... And it's not always accurate because it's poetry. Like, it's someone trying to do something much later than when these originated. Mm-hmm. And there's not there's not ever really, even if we have their oral traditions written by somebody else, like, unless you're magically a Bronze Age person who is still here, like, we're never going to know for sure mm-hmm. how it was intended. Which I think is something important to point out about all deities. Especially if it's an actual ancient pantheon like Greece or Sumeria or any of them. Like, we've got, we've got some good archaeological data to back certain things up, and we have the oral traditions, but, like, you're never going to know what an entire group of people thought mm-hmm. unless you're one of them, you know? And that's also, like, assuming that all Irish people worshipped the same way. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to see is, like, have their associations changed at all? And essentially, even when she gets translated as a triple goddess or the Dagda does, they're still kind of credited with being in charge of the same things. Yeah. So. Well, specifically with her. I have noticed um, the little research I did do before this, because I suck. <laughs> um, the I will say that the people who dedicate themselves to working with the Morgan, like, only... Um, ha- it's it's very in-depth, uh, all of the things that they associate with her. You know, it's not as simplified <clears throat> as, like, how it is with the, the sort of spell work that I do or, like, my candles. I mean, there's... I have a book somewhere that's just someone's, um, like, ode to working with the Morrigan. And it was, like... It was, according to her, dictated to her from the Morrigan as, like, her offering to her was this book that was published, like, a small one, and I bought it and read it. And it was nice. It was neat. I I don't really know what it was. I mean, like, I read it, and I understand the words, but it's uh, it was pretty personal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it seems like all of the, the work that you see coming with the Morrigan specifically is uh, very in-depth and very personal to people. And I haven't found... That's a weird spider... I haven't found um, 
anything that's sort of like broad, sort of where uh, if you want to work with Hecate, you're going to find a lot, her referenced in many, many different books. Yeah. You know, different ways to work with her real easy and just, you know, in, invoking her for whatever you're doing right then. Whereas with the Morrigan, I'm not finding that as often. I think, I think a lot of that, from what I know, like I have never talked to another person who even works with her that ever does it the same as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even like the people, um, cause like I have another resource that says she's the Morrigan, Bab, and Nemain, and that Maka is a different goddess. So like, not everyone even agrees which three the triple goddess is supposed to be, or if three separate goddesses are going to be one Morrigan. So I feel like a lot of that may also be because, um, Ireland and their records have been through a lot. And a lot of it, even if you try and find it outside of academia, like, you're not going to find a lot. You're going to find other people being devotees and doing, like, super personal things. So I mm-hmm. think I think that might be why, because also the Irish pantheon, like, I know tons of people work with the Morrigan because she's cool, but, like, the Irish pantheon is not really a big thing. Most people, mm-hmm. like, you're going to know, especially with Thor now, you're going to know Thor, Loki, and um, Odin. And Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman wrote Norse mythology, so you might know all of those. You definitely know the Greeks and the Egyptians, because, I mean, we all learn them in elementary school. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you learn the Romans, but even in, like, high school or middle school, you learn the Romans as, like, copies of the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Which is Which isn't sometimes true. fair and sometimes not. Um, because what the <clears throat> Romans did before they were Roman Catholics was, like, if they took you over, they just adopted you into their pantheon. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not even copies, it's, like, the Greek gods are actually in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other thing is, like, every group of people is gonna have a deity for something. Like, you need somebody to help you with your changing seasons, you need someone to give you food, you need somebody Mm -hmm. to help you in wartime, you need somebody to make sure your wives don't die when they're popping out babies, uh, Mm -hmm. you need someone to help you make sure both of you can make a baby, like... They all are going to follow similar traditions. Like, everyone mm-hmm. has a war god. Everyone has this, you know. So I feel like calling anything a copy of another thing is a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for the Morrigan, like, people just don't know enough. Especially with all of the Celtic ones. Because even, even in history, English, and anthropology, like, we don't know enough. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be what happens. Because, like, with the Greeks, we have all their texts. We had the Rosetta Stone so we could translate all their texts. So, like, we know what Greek people wrote down about Greek gods, which is mm-hmm. super nice. And we have the same thing for the Egyptians and a little bit for the Sumerians and a little bit for the, like, Phoenicians and the Chinese and the Aztecs, like, any group that had writing. But all of these stories are oral traditions, so it depends on which tradition that person had been taught. You don't know how it changed. Mm-hmm. based on what situations those people had to deal with like i've noticed that uh with the irish pantheon it's uh i have not found anything that is like to to make an offering to this person this is what we did yeah whereas like with greek or you know uh, some of the other ones it's easier if someone actually wrote down as an offering to say Zeus or whatever we offered this many goats and this and you know what I mean yeah you even have the um like Homer did invocations at the beginning of all of his Mm -hmm. poems to different Mm -hmm. muses um Socrates did that Aristotle did that like they all wrote things down Um, there's a little more information 
Yeah, and I mean, you have the Agam rune stones and stuff like that, but the until the Anglo-Saxons came around, nothing was written down. Yeah. So really, I mean, if you're going to try to work with any of this, uh, if any of these characters now, you you kind of just have to read the mythology and take what you can from that. Yeah. And then it, the rest of it's kind of guesswork, honestly. Um, uh, people have definitely written books, but uh, I have not found anything that is uh, close to historical, you know, further yeah, than like the I last mean, 50 years. All we have are like... The closest thing to getting it written down in that time is when the Romans did make it over to Britain and you have, like, Boudicca fighting them and stuff. You have mm-hmm. what the Romans thought they were saying written down. Right. But that's in the guise of, like, a Roman military expedition. And it's someone who's not a in-group person, like, mm-hmm. writing it down. So you don't even, like, the accuracy is highly questionable. Especially if you're trying to make these people seem, like, stupid because you conquered them, woo. You know? Um, I do have to say, I have never come across, oops, I don't know what that was, I've never crossed, come across anybody who works with the Dagda, I have come across people who work with the Morrigan. I've, I've heard of people, I've never met them in person, but, um, I've heard of people, like, making, like, carvings on stones and burying them like a cornerstone when they build a house in Ireland to thank the Dagda. But that's still, oh, okay. like, modern pagan practice. I don't know if yeah. it's got a history of it at all. Because, I mean, when we find old houses like that, I, it's lucky if we have any foundations left. Because usually if someone abandons a stone structure, somebody else is going to take those stones away mm-hmm. and reuse them. Because why would you not? So archaeologically, we don't get a lot of that. The other thing might be that, like, what people are leaving for an offering is not going to show up in the record. Because, mm-hmm. you know... I mean, it's a lot of times it's food. It could be food. It could be water. It could be that they Need. have some really awesome bowls that they're putting stuff in. But mm-hmm. if those bowls aren't made out of metal and then they're lost in a peat bog, like it's just going to become peat. <laughs> so, so I I think that um, really there's there's not going to be a wrong way to try to work with these deities. Yeah. I would say that. Uh, if, you know, we've gone over the Morrigan being good for boundaries and victory and justice and sort of cord cutting, breaking ties, removing yourself from a negative situation, banishing. Uh, the Dagda seems like more of a an affable energy. I feel it's like, more like he's a hipster dad. Like he was the dad before it was cool to be a dad, you know, like he's got his dad okay bod. He's got a yeah. big stick. Mustache. He's always got homebrew. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's a hipster dad. (laughs) So I would say if you had to, I mean, if you had to pick some kind of words to associate with him, I think obviously since he's kind of associated with protecting your crops, protection for your home would be. Yeah, I think that's what people mostly do now. That and, um, fertility for men. Uh, Yeah, Um, I did. I did read something that said he was supposed to be the God that was good at everything. Yeah, he's pretty much like. He's like an everyman. He's like Irish Zeus. All of it. (laughs) <laughs> to an extent, because he's kind of okay. the one the other gods also go to when they have problems. Like, he's a mediator. He's mm-hmm. sometimes in battle. If he is in battle with you, like, you're good. He's like a Hulk. Um. So I would say, like, home protection, uh, any sort of success, you know, depending on what kind of work you're trying to do. But if you need help succeeding in a goal, he might yeah. be someone you could work with. Uh, he seems like, I know it says seasons, like changing, he's in charge of changing seasons, but I feel like uh, he's more of like a summer god. Yeah, he's he's responsible for the seasons changing, but like he does that in 
in conjunction with like Nuada, the Sky God, and then you have the one that I cannot pronounce to save my life. But there's a Sea God <laughs> that starts with an M, um, whose wife actually is the one who goes to try and steal Kukulin. Um But uh, it's like it's just kind of sort of a season thing i don't think he's the big one for it but his it's mostly like his magic staff can change the seasons okay so i guess maybe he waves it around when he wants it to be cold i don't know (laughs) yeah i did see that he was associated with uh the yew tree which Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if they're talking about the ogums because i know ogums are also different they're the same symbols also um represent different kinds of trees Mm -hmm. so all that stuff like one symbol represents so many different things. Yeah, uh, I think depending he's... on what you're using them for. But I saw that he was associated with the yew tree, which is a sacred tree, which is like, it kind of ties mm-hmm. back to what she said about him possibly being the first druid, which is pretty neat. So I would say uh, if you just needed a masculine energy for any of your magic, any of your ritual work, he might be someone you could work with too. It seems like a pretty easy energy to work with, whereas the Morrigan is very uh, in your face and balls to the wall, like, let's do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so kind of two different uh personalities at play but it also fits together pretty well as like a yin and yang feminine masculine sort of fit even though they don't quite fall into that uh gender specific category in terms of yeah i feel like because they're kind of some of the oldest references we have to gods for the tuatha day um the fomorians and the furbolgs have their own but the he's kind of like happy good positive energy like he he has his cauldron that's never empty he's got fruit trees that are never like not producing fruit and then he's got these two pigs and one is always being roasted and the other one's always alive <laughs> that um, sucks <laughs> no because when people visit him he's very hospitality kind of god no like, i mean it sucks for the pig oh, what about yeah. the one that's got to be roasted all the time yeah he doesn't have any fun um but he uses his club can also like bring you back to life like he can kill you with it or bring mm. you back um and then he has the harp um that plays itself and the harp is what summons the seasons not the club for some okay. of these sources but um he's like the positive side and then the morrigan is kind of dark and i yeah. feel like they're they're kind of supposed to go together like yeah because you have aspects of both um mananin that's how you say it mananin is the ocean god i knew it was going to come yeah. to me um it's spelled really weird most of the time that's why i can't ever pronounce it yeah so i feel like he's he's definitely protection probably prosperity like it's just like a every sort of he can kind of be used in everything he's like a white a white spell candle you can just sort of use it in place of everything yeah yeah all representative pretty much and i mean he's he's very good for like if you're looking for guidance in anything i would say you could probably petition him um for either of them though i would i would say if you're trying to come up with some kind of authoring alcohol of any type is going to work for both food would be more for the dogda and i think for the morrigan maybe like water alcohol probably um a hagstone that's another one that yeah I, um, maybe one of those i always are, um, wanted to a put feather? in the candles like oh, like a black like feather. A, a raven or a crow feather some people mm-hmm. she's sometimes the crow but like bab is the crow and the morrigan is usually the ravens okay. um but for modern practice a lot of people just associate her with the crows um and a lot of people think like if you start seeing them a lot um it might be like a sign that she's kind of helping you um 
So that could be... As long as you don't see a crow washing your clothes in the river, I guess you're Yeah, okay. <laughs> usually that's a woman. It's like the washerwoman at the Ford. Right. Um, And then, I'm trying to think if there's really anything else that I... I she gets associated with black and red a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess probably because the bloody clothes for the red. Yeah, I mean, I haven't ever found anything of like, this is definitively how you do it. You know? No, there's not a lot on that. So I, I feel like it's pretty much open to interpretation, but I ha- I just have to say that if you're looking for a friendlier energy, I would I would guess his. And yes. if you're looking for something a little more intense that um like I mentioned before, I was even a little ca- a little cautious about uh taking on. It actually took me a really long time to come up with that and put it out because I it's the only time I've ever really been afraid not of like insulting but of just not hitting the mark you know what I mean and I've um you know I've done meditations where I've I shouldn't say I've talked to deities but I've gotten like I guess the ideas that go into my work Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you know everybody's I shouldn't say everybody everybody that I know has done some some sort of form of prayer and I've been one of the times that I felt like I really got an answer to something was when I was very um upset at one point and I was crying and I was asking for help because I didn't know what to do kind of feeling sorry for myself having a pity party and I got a very clear well no one's gonna help you when you're sitting there doing nothing you got to get off your ass and then figure it out like, it was such a clear message that it was almost startling. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a mothering thing. It wasn't like, a, oh, it's going to be okay. It was like, well, fucking yeah, no one's helping you because you're being a big crybaby. Get up and let's do this. That's kind of the one unifying thing I've heard from everyone who works with her. And I kind of, like, mm-hmm. you're going to get some definitive answers. They may not be what mm-hmm. you want, but you're you're gonna notice something whether it's like mm-hmm. feeling the response or like things start changing um or like you just feel like something has your back sometimes that's mostly what it is for me but for me deities are kind of like an energy like an energy association for certain things um mm-hmm. so that's everyone says it's like super startling how clarifying it is when they work with her for good it was or the for only bad. time that's ever happened. To yeah, me. that's the only time I've ever heard very clearly what like and it was um it was almost I shouldn't say insulting, but I was kinda like, Well you know, that's rude. But yeah. it wasn't, <laughs> you know. So I was like, God, why are you gonna be so mean about it? Like I think I was expecting someone to be a, a little it's for it's for the answers to be a little gentler than they were, but absolutely not. It was like, Nope, just no one's gonna help you when you're sitting there doing nothing. Get up, let's do this, let's you know, she's there's no it's it's definitely something I think everyone should try at least once. It's a she's not for beginnings, she's all about endings. Mm-hmm. We're gonna finish whatever this is, we're gonna finish it. So yeah, I don't have any uh, book resources when it comes to either of these two, really, yeah, for working with them. Yeah, most of mine are, like, if you want to know what versions we read in my class for the stories or um, <clears throat> the penguin the penguin version of the toy, which you can get for, like, eight bucks on Amazon, is a really good translation. It also has these really fucking weird pen and ink drawings um, mm-hmm. because it's it's also, like... The Toyn is also Cuchulain's life story, kind of, and, and Connor McNessa and Fergus. So there's some really weird uh, pen and ink drawings, and I'll just let y'all discover that for yourselves. But as a sophomore in college, it's fucking funny <laughs> when I read it. There's also, like, two pages are just pen and inks of, 
like dead battlefield people and people on horses fighting and so my professor would always be like find fergus in here (laughs) because it's just black figures you know um the other thing about the dogda though is uh in one of the (coughs) the battle stories from the invasions he says his his actual name is the the horned man kind of like the Ah. like kernunos but not because kernunos is usually depicted as the stag head yeah, and so um, they also... But the horned god, that's... Um, I feel like those two are separate, but they also get lumped together, kind of like the yeah the trinity. But I have worked with the horned god before, so I guess in a way I have sort of worked with the dag Usually he showed up as, like, ram horns to Kernunos' mm-hmm. antler mm-hmm. thing. And they do have two different words for it. So, like, uh, some people will say that Kernunos is the horned god, but um, if you're talking zooarchaeological and in the Celtic words... Kernunos is the antlered god. Right. Um, and antler and horns are two different types of bone. Mm-hmm. Um, in case you guys didn't know that. Um, but his his actual name in Gaelic, which I'm going to butcher, is uh, Furben, which is horned man, or um, his full name is Furben Bruach Brokale Bromide Kerbad Cacarole. So take That's that with what you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what this reminds me of though uh, when you're talking about I, I don't know why this just occurred to me but uh, of Dionysus yeah where he has it's all the, the different names of, and all the wine he had his mm-hmm. his ever flowing wine he had a harp too yeah he's he's kind of like that but there is there is a uh, party god for Ireland there's a it's few. interesting how similar I'm sure there's a lot yeah of <laughs> um well like if you if you want to learn more about Finn. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of tales. So, um, the Dagda lives in Berna Boyne, which is the, near the River Boyne. Um, and so you can, it's named after Boan, which is a goddess. Then there's, uh, Giant Balor of the Evil Eye, which is the Fomorian king, um, who's actually, Balor is a demon now, but, uh, for, because the Roman Catholic Church turned him into a demon, but he's Lou's great-grandfather. Oh. Yeah, so that's. He always a demon. No, he's the he's one of the first Fermorian kings who like massacred the Furbolgs, hmm. and he's also just a badass like battle dude. Um, and then you get Lou, who's like the silver hand and the crafts and sunlight. Um, so there's they're all kind of together. The Dagda has a lot of affairs. He also tried to steal Lou's wife at one point. He's got the Morrigan. His kid's name is Bob Derg, who is the king after him. <laughs> Kermate. I like the names. Who tried to steal Lou's other wife and died for it. And then possibly Aid of the Underworld. Meter of Breleith, who's... He comes into the Three Attains, um, which is like a Kukulin story. But uh, he's might be their dad, too. So it's, it's kind of like... He's literally the dad of everyone. Because he's just kind of like drunk and sleeping with him. There's also... Um, if you guys know about the giant pictograms in Ireland. Um, I know everyone knows about Nazca lines because of fucking ancient aliens. Um, <laughs> but Ireland also has some, and so does England. Um, so there's um, Kern Abbas giant. The Kern, or it might be Abbas giant. Um, I'm never sure how to pronounce that word. But the giant pictogram with a erect penis um, and a oh. giant club. Oh, I have seen that. That's yeah. the dog. I've seen that. 
I didn't realize that was a penis. I thought that was supposed to be, like, just a decoration. Um, it looks pretty definitively. Uh, maybe it was wishful thinking. I guess I didn't. Because he's got, he's got his little nipples, and he's got abs, and then he's got a, yeah. (laughs) I'll have to take a closer peek at that later. Yeah, um... I might put that on our social media. That's a fun picture. Um, and then the Morrigan is like the phantom queen, you know, but I feel like there's no definitive way. I feel like any any kind of deity worship that you're going to go into, even if you have more information of like how you should contact these people, like with the Greeks, it's always going to be like what works for you and come at it with a measure of respect which i feel mm-hmm. like you should do with anything you do you know whether it's working with a deity or with humans or whatever you're gonna do if you respect things usually it works better generally yeah your life's easier <laughs> yeah um so that's all i have on them and like i said uh once i find my books because we still haven't unpacked our house um i can put them up i'm working on making us a goodreads page kind of like this podcast will kill you has so when we use books we can just put them all up on there um yeah, and i know some people have asked yeah they're in the show notes but apparently the show notes only work if you're on our audio boom site or on itunes so oh. i'm gonna put together either a google doc that i just share the link to and we keep updating for the links mm-hmm. and stuff i feel like that should work like a Google spreadsheet. Okay. I think so too. It may be a bit because uh, it's the end of the semester and any of you who are also students understand my pain. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be coming. Yeah. And then I think it would be neat uh, if any of our listeners have actually worked with either of these two would like to tell us about it. I'd be happy to share it on there or if, if they don't want it shared, I'd just be interested to hear your results working with them or if you know of a, a group of people that are sort of dedicated to working with those uh, pantheons that would be interesting too because I have not come across any but I also um, haven't dived too deeply into that aside from just her so yeah most of like what I found about working with the Dagda is like from websites I I've heard of people working with them but I don't know anyone personally so especially that one if you guys have ways that you work with them that you'd be willing to share we're totally into it maybe read it for the next one so uh did we have an idea for the next episode which ones we're gonna work on or is that to be announced i mean is there anything particular you want to read about (laughs) uh i don't i've got some my next book up is uh, all about symbols and sigils so sigils would be cool i've always wanted to do them but i don't know how so we could do sigils. Oh. oh, that's easy. We could do sigils. All right. Sigils are awesome. All right. Next episode is about sigils. So uh, I guess if you guys have any questions about that too, throw it up there with your stories about working with the Morgan and the Dagda. Yeah. And we, we have permanent posts up, but sometimes I replay them in our stories too. Um, so if you see our little pink bordered like listener suggestions picture popping up and you have something that you want to learn more about, just Give us a comment and we will try and work it in. Okay. And so we're going to wrap it up and I will say, uh, don't be a dick. Please don't be a dick. Eat your vegetables and stay hydrated. (laughs) Bye. Bye.